All right, let me let me pray for us, and we'll we'll get started. Uh, bow your heads, Father. We thank you for the privilege that we have this morning to come and study your word, to come and study uh, who you are, who you have revealed yourself to be. Not only through creation that we get to see all around us and that we get to experience today uh, in the ocean, on the beach, the wind that blows through our hair, all the different things that you've given us to remind us of your characteristics, but also through your own word, through your revealed word, the things that you have told us and shown us that are life and truth and sustenance and the bread of life, Lord. I pray that we would uh, not take that for granted this morning, that we would see Scripture for what it is, that we would be honest and open about our questions, and that we would look to you for our answers. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Um, Alright, so if you don't know who I am at all, that's okay. 100% do not expect you to. Uh, my name is Joel May. And I did the RYM internship here uh, for like five years, something like that. And then I loved it, so I stuck around and uh, forced them to give me a job. So they gave me a job doing youth conference coordinator stuff. Um, And it's been a lot of fun, and pretty much my role and my position is just to facilitate these conferences, to plan, prepare, facilitate, and troubleshoot all these conferences. Um, I grew up in the church. I grew up, I'm the pastor's kid. So I've been in the church, been a believer my entire life. I've always known like all the answers to all the questions. Uh, I've always known like when, you know, the the classic Sunday school thing, like someone would ask a question and it'd be like, you know, okay, well the answer's obvious. Who's going to do it? That that was me. Like I was that kid. Um, I've always I've always professed faith. And I think that I I was regenerated at a really early age, um, and I'm very, very thankful for that. But I haven't always known and understood what I'm actually saying and what I'm actually believing and what I'm actually uh, clinging to. So when I got to college, where I met my wife, who I've been married to for a little over four years now, when I got to college, uh, I was studying religion and history because I knew that I wanted to be in ministry long term. And in my very first religion class that I ever had, just like classic religion 1001, whatever it is, um, we had a breakout session. And in this breakout session, my teacher, or my TA, whoever it was, he was like, all right, I'm going to shake things up a little bit. I know I'm in the South. Uh, I'm at the University of Georgia. He kind of wanted to stir the pot a little bit. So here's what he did. He said, all right, everybody get out a piece of paper. Number the paper 1 through 20. And he said, I'm going to read different passages, different snippets from books. And he said, I want you to write where you think it's from. And he only gave us three options. He said, write if you think it's from the Bible, put a B for Bible, a Q for Quran, and an M for the Book of Mormon. And so he proceeded to read 20 different passages, and no one would say anything, and we would just kind of read through them. He'd say, all right, write what you think. And then afterwards, he was like, all right, let's, let's grade him. And he would read the passage and he would say where it was from. And I'm not kidding, probably 60-70% of the people in that class, a lot like me, grew up in the church, probably would say that they were Christians, but had no idea, like, what is this stuff that we actually believe? And as he would read these passages, largely from the Old Testament, but as he would read these passages and he would say, you know, that's actually, that's actually from the Bible. 
I would hear, I would literally, like, I would hear people dropping like flies beside me. And they would say, I heard the words, that's not in my Bible. I don't believe that. Like, that's not my Christianity. And so, I mean, that's kind of the theme of, honestly, it's the theme of your generation, your sort of time period that you're growing up in, right? It's like, it's this idea that if you don't like it, or if you don't agree with it, or if you don't understand it, then you don't have to believe it. Like, that's not my God, that's not my Jesus, that's not my scripture. So that was one experience that kind of got me thinking about, okay, well, how do we, how do we go about this? Another experience is way more recent. About three weeks ago, my wife is a speech pathologist. So she's in the medical field. Uh, she works in a hospital in the acute care. And she was talking to a doctor. And whenever you tell people that either you are going into ministry or your spouse is going into ministry or whatever, people always think, kind of like, oh, that's, that's cool, I guess. Like, that's kind of sweet and fun. Um, and what happened is this guy, or I think it was actually a lady, one of her coworkers, she goes, oh, that's really interesting. Like, I would love to see what they learn in their class because I'm in grad school. And she goes, I would love to see what they learn about. And Maddie was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm sure he would love to talk to you about it at some point. And she goes, but, like, tell me this. He doesn't, he doesn't actually believe all the stuff that the Bible says, does he? And Maddie was super caught off guard. She was like, well, he does, like he does believe all the stuff that the Bible says. And her coworker proceeded to say, well, how, like, how do you reconcile the fact that these were, all these claims are written thousands of years ago, like they're not credible today. Like how do you reconcile all this stuff? And honestly, Maddie was kind of frozen a little bit. And uh, she was like, her coworker said, you know, how, how do you know that Scripture is the Word of God? Like, how do you know that Scripture is what it says it is? How do you know that Jesus was actually God incarnate? Like, so Maddie said, she got home and she told me this story, and she was like, I wish, number one, she wished that she were more prepared, and number two, she wished that she uh, had gotten some of this when she was younger. So part of this class is going to just be, like, number one, building a foundation, Number two, it's kind of going to be like equipping you with tools in your tool belt. Uh, how many of you are going to be in college within the next three years? Okay, cool. And then the rest of you, four years. Uh, but whether you realize it or not right now, it doesn't matter where you go. You can even go to a private Christian college. And there's going to be people who are going to challenge you. There's going to be people who are, like my TA, going to intentionally try and say, you know, Scripture doesn't really say that, or Scripture says that, and now you have to deal with it. Uh, last thing I'll say in, in terms of story before we jump in. Um, it was actually really funny in that same religion class. He was just kind of trying to prove a point. He was like, yeah, you see, like, a lot of the stuff that we think Scripture doesn't say, it actually says. And a lot of the stuff that we claim, Scripture doesn't actually say. And he goes, you know the song, Jesus Loves Me, the little kids sing, you teach your little kids to sing. He goes, the Bible doesn't say anywhere that Jesus loves you. He was like, it says that God loves you, but it doesn't say anywhere that Jesus loves you. And so me as a freshman... Uh, I'm a punk now, I was an even bigger punk back then, but me as a freshman, I, I literally, I was like, that can't be true. I don't know exactly where it is, but I'm, I'm going to find it. 
so I just started the rest of the class. I just flipped through my Bible. I was like John, First John, something like that. And eventually, I found it, and I uh, I raised my hand. I was like, "Excuse me, uh, I just wanted to clarify what you said that like the Bible never says that Jesus loves us." I was like, "I found a passage in here," and then I just read it, and the TA just goes. Alright, so the Bible says once that Jesus loves you. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Um, All that being said, one of the things that we really need in this world, that we really need for the Christian life, is a solid foundation and tools in our tool belt. So that when people say, like, Scripture is not relevant for today, which you are going to get if you have not already, when people say that, you can say, Actually, you know, it claims that it is. It claims that it lasts throughout the ages. It claims that it is relevant for everyone in all places at all times and in all situations. Uh, So I want to do three things in this class. Number one, we're going to talk about Scripture. Number two, we're going to talk about Jesus. Number three, we're going to talk about salvation. The reason that I'm doing this is not just to hammer you with, like, Christian speak, right? Like, I want to actually say, look... The world believes that, your, that, that the ultimate authority is yourself and your emotions, right? Uh, the world believes that Jesus what, like, has no relevance besides just like being a fun teacher, like zippity-doo-dah, like walking around doing miracles, right? The world believes that salvation is just morality, Like the new atheist movement is all based on uh, just doing the best moral um, altruistic thing. That's a huge word that you're gonna you're gonna be confronted with all the time. Altruism, right? So what I want to do in this class is is kind of approach those three ideas. And the first way that we're going to do that is by looking at scripture, the Bible. Uh, Let's do this. I wanted to be interactive. What does your generation, what do the people around you, uh, in the church or out of the church, um, what does the kind of capital W world say about the Bible? What does it say that the Bible is? Don't, don't, actually, let's think specifically outside of the church right now. What do people outside of the church say that the Bible is? Outdated. Okay, outdated, that's for sure. My handwriting is so bad, by the way. I haven't written with my hands in like months at this point. Outdated, what else? When you guys, when you like... Boring. Boring, okay. Yeah, man, I don't know how you can read uh, First and Second Chronicles and be bored in any way. Some people might say it's offensive. Offensive, for sure. What else? Keep spitting them out. And if you want to, like, quote unquote, you know, say it for a friend, it's totally fine. Like, what what do you think the Bible is in, in your in your worst times? Again, we it doesn't have to be you, but like, what do we think about Scripture when we think about reading the Bible? What do we think? These are huge. What else? Conflicting. Conflicting. Okay. How so? Can you flush that one out just a tiny bit for me? Uh. Truth or versus uh, universal truth in God. Okay. So a big thing here, um, 
my R's are weird. Uh, a big thing here is going to be how much authority does the Bible actually have on these sort of controversial topics that we're confronted with right now. What else? Let's get a couple more. What you got back here? Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Yeah. Oh, man. You guys are taking me back to college ministry right now. Go dogs! What else? Go balls. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy? Okay, hypocritical. Yeah, that's a big one. If you haven't been called a hypocritical bigot yet. It's coming. Yep. What else? Too literal. Too literal. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to, instead of dropping it low like Wade, I'm going to... Wow. Coming at you. Nobody can drop it as low as Wade. Too literal. What else? Anything else that we can think of right now? What does the world say? What, is, what do people outside of the church say about the Bible? What are our struggles with the Bible? It's like a suggestion. It's not the word done. Suggestion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suggestion. So this too would be, you know, non-authoritative. Cool. Um, if I were to say right now, if I were to ask you right now, um, give me a Bible verse that will counteract any of these things. Would you be able to? And like, be completely honest. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I would have known these references had I not been preparing for this class. But uh, some of these are really well known. But when you get confronted with this stuff, how do you think to respond? Because a lot of people, like a lot of people, especially your age inside the church, when they are met with confrontation, either they they have no idea what to do and they're terrified, or they feel like. Okay, well, I, I got to run from this conflict because I don't want to look ignorant. I don't want to look silly. So can anyone, and like, there's 100% no shame here if you get it wrong. No shame if you don't know anything. But how would you, how would you confront the, uh, the idea that Scripture is irrelevant? The passage that talks about is living and active. Yep. Yeah, that's Hebrews. That that's one of our passages here. Yep. So we'll we'll get there. How else? What about uh, this one? This is probably th- this is probably where it all stems from right here. That that scripture has no authority on us today. How do we respond to that? Self-authoritative. Self-authoritative. Yeah. So this is, I'm just going to go ahead and jump into this. This is not going to be a philosophy class. This is not going to be an apologetic class. Uh, I will preface a lot of stuff just by saying this, that ultimately any authority that you give anything is going to be claiming authority for itself. That's that's a really bad way of saying what I wish I could say well. But um, there, you're going to get a lot of like, pushback that says, oh, well, that's a circular argument. You can't say that. And it's like, well, so is your argument. If you want to dive into more of this, this is one of the books I would recommend 
uh, making sense of God. It's kind of like a a slight a slightly more modern update with a little bit more of like an apologetic philosophical bent from his other po- really popular book, The Reason for God. Uh, this has been super helpful in my preparation. I wish I could just sit. We should just do a book club. Just sit and read this book together, and then say, "All right, dismiss, go in peace." But um, making sense of God, Tim Keller, really, really good book, really good resource. Um, what else? How would you confront these these ideas? I'd agree with offensive. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Bible would agree with that one. It's just the yeah. way that we react to it, the way the culture reacts to it. But right. That's one we have common ground. Yeah. Yeah. And that's even what Cyril was saying last night. He talked about the offense of the gospel. Like, people don't like a notorious exchange because it's an acknowledgement that we need it and that we couldn't do it. We couldn't pay for it, right? That's an offensive message when you let Scripture and the gospel speak for itself. Uh, can I do this? Who has, does anyone have their Bible in here? Is the era of bringing a hard copy of the Bible just completely dead? Cell phones? Come on, Wade. Alright, just so that you guys don't have to hear me talk the entire time, I'm going to use this. um, And then, actually, I'm going to use this. I don't trust any of y'all with this. And then, who wants to use this? Let's go right here. Alright, I'm going to go with this first passage. Exodus. Oh, I'm already on it. That's convenient. So here's kind of what the world says, right? Capital W World. Here is uh, some of the ideas that we have floating around in pop culture about Scripture. These are questions that we're going to have to face, right? Genesis 3, what happened to make Adam and Eve all of a sudden start to stumble? Do Do you remember what Satan said to them when he shows up more cunning than any other beast in the field? Yeah. Right. And how does he say it? Did God really say that? He said, Did God really say dot dot dot? Hence the name of my class. Like, did he really just say that? Did he really just do that? Did he really tell you that? Um, that's kind of again, that's kind of why I thought of it like this, is that there's a lot of things in scripture that we'll see, a lot of things that we'll read where I even I kind of like balk at it and I say, did he? Did he really just say that? Like, did that really just happen? We're going to get to a lot of that more uh, later on. But Exodus 24, I have that passage. I'm going to read it right now. Um, and just based on time, we might have to hop around a little bit. Here's what it says. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. That is, uh, that is God speaking to Moses. Tablets of stone, the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose, went up to the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. I'm going to skip down a little bit. Uh, the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, God called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. 
Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, so this scene that we have right here, Moses and Aaron go up and they talk with God. And what does God tell them? Right now we're getting into this little tool belt part, right? This is a screwdriver. It's a jackhammer. Skill saw. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, we're, we're getting into these verses, all right? So what does this say about, what does the Word of God say about itself in Exodus 24? What did God say? Did He say, uh, come up and receive these random words that I found somewhere and might be like sort of beneficial for you to have? I don't know. What does He say? Written by God Himself. Okay. What else do we notice about this passage here? Are they written on like... Uh, what, what are they written on? Stone. Stone. Why is that a big deal? Like... Yeah. It's not coming off anytime soon, man. Written on stone. We're going to get into uh, some of the implications of all this a little later. I just kind of want to go through a lot of these and... Uh, and then we'll talk about the significance, how these are different. All right, will someone go ahead and skip down to Psalm 119, that passage? Who can do that for me? Raise a hand. Someone just volunteered, a guy named Hunter. Is that you? All right, you're going to do Psalm 119. Who can do Isaiah 40? Wade's going to do Isaiah 40. Uh, ooh, I like this one. Who can do Proverbs 30? One of y'all in the back. Do y'all have Bibles? Uh, I see that hand. Marilyn, right here. Proverbs 30. Let's go to... Um, let's do 2 Timothy 3. And then last one that we'll do, we'll, we'll skip a couple of these. We'll do Hebrews 4. You can do 2 Timothy 3. Sweet. Covenant, you got it. And then Hebrews 4. I can do Hebrews 4 when we get there. Um... Alright, so let's uh, let's pop some of these out real quick. What do we got? Psalm 119. Hunter, is that your name? Yeah. Cool, can you read that for us? Yeah. Is it men? Yeah, uh, 97 through... Uh, you can go all the way through 105, actually. Oh, how I love your law. It is my say about the Word of God, if you could hear them? What does this give you? You're good. What, what was kind of a theme, an idea that it kept coming up here? It was delight, it was sweet to it, it was meaningful. Okay. What else?
Did he say that it gives him uh, that it gives him uh, like these really stupid ideas that people should laugh at? Yeah. So when he's meditating on the law, he receives wisdom. He receives understanding. Uh, when's the last time that someone on your team, on your basketball team, football team, whatever, uh, in your uh, in your National Honor Society, someone in your, whatever, I don't know what people do. I, com I tried to wipe high school from my memory. Um, chess club, there it is, yeah. All the stereotypes, right? Well, when's the last time that someone in your crew uh, like thought to themselves, man, like you're really wise. Like You understand a lot because you read scripture all the time. Do you get more of that or do you get more of like, Dude, why are you wasting your time reading the Bible? I would guess, I would venture to guess, this might be bold, but I would assume that you get more of, this, uh, more of the latter, right? But Scripture here says that you get wisdom and understanding from the Word of God. Again, we're going to dive into a lot of this stuff and try and apply some of this stuff more specifically in a little bit. Um, next passage, Isaiah 40. Who's got it? This one's a lot shorter. Got it. Wade. Loud and proud, baby. Voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, and the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, and the word of our God will stand forever. All right, this one's like softball. Like it, can't, it almost can't be any easier. What does it say here about the Word of God? Stands forever, never fades, eternal. Whatever you want to say here. Forever. This goes back up to this idea, written in stone. It's permanent, right? Alright, let's go to the next passage. Uh, Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30, verse 4 to 6. Marilyn, is that you? What's your real name? So I don't have to call you Marilyn. What is it? Christer. Christer? That's awesome. Never heard that. Sweet. Loud and proud, Christer. Who has gone to heaven and come down? Whose hands have gathered up the wind? Who has wrapped up the waters in a cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is the name of his son? Surely you know. Every word is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add his words, or he will rebuke you and prove you are a liar. What was the uh, what was the adjective here? I know you guys aren't in school. What was the adjective that he used that he said every word is flawless? Is that the way that we think about Scripture? Like, is that the way that people around us think about Scripture? That it's flawless? No. No, yeah. Uh, another softball answer right there. But this is... This is uh, <laughs> yeah, yes or no answers, you guys are crushing it. Um, scripture is flawless. That's what it says. Yeah, couldn't hear you. Couldn't hear you say no loud enough. What else did it say right there towards the end? Do not add words or he will you a liar. Yep. Do not add to or take away from these words. 
right? So they are, uh, how about this, finished? Is that, a, is that an okay term to use here? Um, another funny story, so I was, when I was at the University of Georgia, I was part of the Go Dogs. I was part of the quote unquote the the Spirit program, which was a fancy way of saying uh, not even fancy. It was just a way of saying that I was a cheerleader. Yeah, so I was a cheerleader, and we used to have these tailgates. There it is. We used to have these tailgates uh, that um, were were kind of out in this big like central area or whatever. And every game day, the Church of Mormon would come by, and they would uh, they would try and evangelize a little bit and socialize and stuff. And it was right near Thanksgiving. And again, my dad's a pastor, so it was right near Thanksgiving. And they were doing this big thing that a huge, maybe like a eight by eight foot whiteboard, and they were rolling it around, and they were saying, "Hey, like, howdy ho, neighbor! Like, what are you thankful for?" And uh, and Dad saw him coming, and he kind of knew the drill. And, uh, and they come up to him, and he's been a pastor for 35 years or whatever, and they go, oh, excuse me, like, could we you know, ask you guys to tell us something that you're thankful for? And my dad, like, almost without missing a beat, uh, he goes, I am thankful for the inspired and errant infallible word of God that cannot be added to nor taken away from. And they, almost without missing a beat, they go, all right, we hope you have a great day. And they just kept on walking. Right? Because, uh, God, dad, whoo, almost. Dad knew that, uh, that, that the word of God is enough can't be added to or taken away from, that it's permanent, it lasts forever, right? We don't need to add anything to it to get wisdom or understanding. That is going to be, like you are going to be, if you really believe this one right here, I'm already getting an application, but if you believe this one right here, you are going to be made fun of. Like you are going to be uh, belittled because people are going to say, that is so silly to assume that scripture says enough about these controversial issues. All right. Uh, next one. Or did I do Second Timothy three? Yeah. Cool. Covenant. What's your name? Alex. Alex. Read it for us, man. Those for you continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know these from what you have learned and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures is God raised and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Man, that's good. This is probably one that we're relatively familiar with. All scripture is God breathed, profitable for teaching, rebuke, encouragement. Right, so that you can be equipped. But before that, I'm gonna, I'll write that down. Um, before that, what, what does it say? Does it just say that it makes you wise? What does it say it makes you wise for, quote-unquote? Salvation. Yeah, so, so Scripture, the Word of God, actually makes you wise for salvation. The Scripture has the power 
to bring about salvation, to affect salvation. That's going to segue us into the last verse, uh, Hebrews 4, 12-13. I might wait until you guys done. Uh, Hebrews 4, 12-13 is going to go with this theme. Um, who's got that one? You did. Oh, yeah, that's right. You guys are more... There it is. Alright, um, let me grab Hebrews 4 real quick. 12 and 13, is that it? Yeah. This is the Word of God. It says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is like, if you hear this and you are not simultaneously terrified and enlivened, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know if we're receiving it like we should. All of us are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Um, Last week, we had a group of middle schoolers. And in this group of middle schoolers, we had a bunch of guys who were about to go into their freshman year. So they were the oldest. They were like athletes. They thought they were really cool. They were from a a place where they were trying to look like the quarterback of of their team. And uh, are you about to go freshman year? No. Oh, that's all right. You just think you're really cool. Um, all right. So, so here, here's what, here's what happened. Um, these guys thought they they couldn't figure out the line between trying to have fun and going way over the top and being blasphemous. And in worship, what they would do is at the end of every song or during every song or whatever it was, they would uh, ultimately they would blaspheme the name of God and they would take His name in vain, they would worship in vain. Um, and a few nights in, a few mornings in, I can't remember what it was, but on one of the later nights, I went up to their leader and I said, hey man, like I, I know the leader really well, and I said, hey man, I, I just wanted to know, can I have a couple minutes with your guys? And he said, please. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. I, like, I don't want to... It's not going to be one of these, like, you know, a bunch of stormtroopers walk in and try and just intimidate people. But I had to tell him, like, y'all, I'm here because I love you. And because if I don't tell you this, I don't know if anyone will. But what you're doing right now is you are, you are blaspheming the name of God. You are taking His name in vain. You are making a mockery of the Holy One of Israel, the Lamb who was slain, who is mighty to save. And I use this verse uh, that we, at some point, because we're naked and exposed before God, we are going to have to give an account before Him. And I told them, I said, look, every time you raise your hands and do this and yell the name of Jesus in vain, I said, God is... God is writing it down. And at some point, you're going to see Him face to face. And He's going to say, alright, remember this time? Like, 
Tell me about this time. Give me a good excuse that you profaned my holy name this time. Like, going back to that Isaiah verse, like, who can contend with that? I think that this is an incredibly sobering message. It is also an incredibly life-giving message if we understand it in the right context. We're going to close in a little bit with the context that we can hear that in. Uh, I also got to share the gospel with them a little bit, and it was great. And uh, they, needless to say, they, they did not... Um, they were not quite as bad after that, which was really encouraging because they realized that every time we confront the Word of God with hypocrisy, every time we treat the Word of God like it is this and not this, we are, we are committing a grievous sin. None of this is meant to scare us. None of this is meant to uh, like make you feel awful. Really, I promise. Uh, but, like we said earlier, like remember this one right here. Scripture is offensive. The message of Scripture can be offensive to those who are in rebellion against God, who are not at peace with God like Cyril was talking about. All right, let's get into um, application a little bit, and let's do a little bit of like real world, uh, like real world issues right now. What do you think is one of the biggest issues that you and your time and your culture are facing today? Throw them out. What, what's the biggest issue at your high school? There's no wrong answer. I don't know what high school you go to. You could tell me it's like you have people dressed up as clowns, and I would be like, oh, that's a weird issue, but I guess you're right. Clowns, is that it? Now, what, what's the biggest issue? Hunter, what you got, man? Yeah. Name one. Name one. Doesn't have to be the biggest. Do what? What is it? Nicotine. Nicotine. Yeah. Honestly, that that almost isn't even an issue. It's just stupid. You're just hurting yourself. That's it. Um. What? What else? What's another big issue? What you got? Okay. So gossip or slander. How how does and this is huge and guys do it in a different way. I don't know if any of y'all were in my class last year, but the way that guys gossip and slander is by like just trying to be too cool to like be kind to other people. Um, I, I used the example last year. Were any of y'all in my class last year? No. Cool. Um, I used the example last year of being at the beach at a Christian conference like this. And here's what happens. Every one of you knows that this is true. You're walking with your crew down the beach, right? And you're like laughing, you're having a good time, you're wearing your like PFG, Patagonia, whatever it is. And, uh, and you're like giggling and cutting up. Giggling. We giggle as guys. Uh, and like 50 yards away, you see another group of guys. And they're like, do any of y'all watch Seinfeld? Wait. It's like, it's like your doppelgangers, okay? So 50 yards away, you see another group of guys, and, oh no, like, they look and dress and act the exact same way as you do. And it's like, man, the only thing that could be worse than being completely opposite of me is being the exact same of me. 
There, there's a lot there, by the way. We're not going to dig into that. But uh, you, see him, you see him far off, right? And as you get closer, you start to have this weird standoff. And like it starts out, you're like, oh, like you're loosey-goosey. And then you see him and you're like, oh, like, okay, yeah, bro, like I'm going to walk tall. And then like as you're walking by him, you're like, yeah, I just got in a fight. Like, and I'm going to fight you too if you look at me wrong. And then like you pass him and, you, and everything gets really quiet. You pass him and you just kind of like look each other up and down. And then you're like, I can take him. And then as soon as you pass him, you start to laugh about and ridicule and make fun of the other people who literally were wearing the exact same bathing suit as you. You're like, man, did you see that idiot? He looks so dumb wearing that red bathing suit. And you're like, oh, no, like I'm wearing that bathing suit. Right? That's the way that guys gossip and slander. It's different in girl world. I don't understand girl world. My wife has tried to explain it completely over my head. But that's how guys do it. And num- like, it's just, it's just stupid. Like The way that we do that... It's so silly. All it does is reveal insecurities. I'm right there with you. I'm not just trying to call you out. I'm calling myself out because I still do that and I'm 26 and I'm married and I'm trying to be a pastor. Like, it's weird. But let's just acknowledge that. All right, Gospel Slander, how does, how does the Word of God, how do these things speak to gossip and slander? Like, how, how does it confront the issues that we face? You don't have to have like a deep theological answer. It points out that that we have our own problems, our pride. If we're looking at somebody else more than ourselves, if we've got an issue with pride, that's the end. Yeah. That Hebrews 4 passage says that uh, the Word of God pierces to the bone and marrow. It reveals the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That is, like if you haven't thought about the thoughts of your heart, that's crazy. Try and meditate on that. It is, it is mind-blowing. Alright, what, what's another issue that we're dealing with? What about like broader culture? What's something that you hear about or read about in the news all the time? Trump shootings. Okay, school shootings, what was it? Trump. Trump, okay, and, and sure. Let's Identity? Alright, so let's, let's, take, uh, let's take a couple of these things. Um, Identity, and we'll we'll even narrow in on that a little bit. Let's do like sexual, gender, identity, uh, that whole kind of concept, right? What do people say? What does this? Yeah, that's a different class. What does this right here say about Scripture when it comes to the sexual revolution? Does this have any authority over anything about your sexuality? Bible have any? No, this category right here. What what do these things, if Scripture is outdated, if it is too literal, if it is only a suggestion, if it's irrelevant, if it's hypocritical, does this have any weight over the way that we live when it comes to our sexuality? The way that we identify? No. No. Okay. What about this? How does this stuff impact the way that we think about it? Flawless. Do we think that do we think that what scripture says about sexuality and our identity, whatever we find it in, do we really think that that's flawless? That by faith we are adopted sons and daughters of the most high God? Do we really think that that's like a flawless, a foolproof system? 
A lot of times the answer is no, unfortunately. And again, like this is the same for me. I'm not by by no means and in no way am I just trying to say like you guys got to get it together. Uh, this is the same for me. This is stuff that I wrestle with too. Um, okay, I heard. Uh, Unfortunately, I heard someone say Trump. We're not going to get into all the nuances of all that stuff, but yeah, in the news we get a lot of uh, we get a lot of comments, a lot of thoughts about let's just do like politics at large, the role of politicians, just all this stuff, right? Like, Scripture speaks to political views. Scripture, Scripture speaks to. Uh, how we are to govern. Scripture speaks to these things that we think it doesn't speak to. If we think it's irrelevant, if we think that it has no authority, if we think it's too literal, then we're never going to be impacted by that, right? But if we see it for what it is, what it claims to be, what God has said it is, then it's going to impact the way that we view politics. It's going to impact the way that we understand politics. Here's kind of what I want to do, segue towards our closing. Um, It's going to impact the way that we talk about these issues. Something that is hyper important that we do not realize a lot of times is that words have tremendous power. Like By the word of God, He spoke the earth into existence. Jesus is called the Word of God. Words have a tremendous amount of power. I think in the age, raise your hand if you have an Instagram, raise your hand if you have a Twitter, raise your hand if you have a Snapchat. What's that thing that you can send anonymous messages? A Zanga. Uh, is it called YOLO? Gosh, that is the saddest thing in the world. Okay, uh, what we think about social media especially if we're being taught that what we post and what we put disappears and no one's ever going to see it again. What we think is that the words that we say don't make an impact. What we think is that uh, the things that we are telling people, even the things that we're telling ourselves and the things that we're reading, the things that we're hearing, that they don't have an impact, that they don't actually impact our souls and they don't impact other people. It's just not true. I'm going to use uh, one last example and then I'm going to read this passage and pray and you guys can get out of here. When you were at a wedding service, nothing, nothing really happens. Sure, you put a ring on, but the, the big, like, the monumental part of the service is the vows. And all you're doing in that moment is you're looking at each other and you're talking to each other. You're repeating words back and forth to each other that are mediated, right? What is true about me before I say the words, you know, with this ring I be wed and uh, I, Joel, do take you, Maddie. Like, what's true about me on this side of that, on this side of the words, and what's true about me on the other side of those words, fundamentally different, Right? The words that we speak, the words that we hear, the words that we, uh, that, that we are taking in and that we're kind of trafficking in, they literally can change your reality from one thing to another. Like, I said these words to someone who was not my wife 
and all of a sudden she became my wife. Like legally and in the eyes of God and men, like in the presence of witnesses, the words that I spoke, the words that I heard changed my identity, changed my reality. The Word of God, how much more powerful is the Word of God? How much more significant is the Word of God? If my words with Maddie were uh, permanent for this age, how much more is the eternal Word of God permanent and binding and authoritative forever? That's a huge deal. It's a huge uh, impact. It's not just something that should um, scare us and confront us. It's something that we should take rest in. It's something that should be sweet and delightful. It's something that we should look to for wisdom and understanding. I'm going to close by reading Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to pray, and then you guys can get out of here, go to your next elective. You'll probably, these will probably be familiar with you too, but here, here's what the Word of God says. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. This is what we're going to dive into tomorrow. We're going to dive into uh, the fancy word is this Christology. It means, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Why does that matter? How does that have an impact on us today? What does the Bible say about Him? What does the world say about Him? How are those two things at odds? And how do we as believers uh, turn to Scripture to understand who Christ is and what He has done for us? Um, before I dismiss, this sheet, please take it. Uh, it's just got, again, little references. Hopefully something here sticks. And when you're confronted with these questions, you'll have something to go to. Let me pray and then I'll dismiss. I'll, I'll, it'll be like a five-second prayer. Father, we thank You for the gift of uh, Your Word, the gift of Your revelation to us. It does have the power to save. It does have the power to transform us and to uh, discern our thoughts and our intentions and, and shape our hearts. Pray that it would do that for us today, that we would not be unaffected by Your Word. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen.